0: Whenever you bring kids up on the stage, and certainly when you give them a microphone, um, you never know what's going to happen, right? Uh, many of you have worked with kids over the years, and, and uh, they do the strangest things sometimes. And uh, they, they raise their hand, I've got the answer, I've got the answer, I've got the answer, and you, you give them the microphone and they're like, uh. <laughs> Or they just go in a completely different direction. Uh, kids in church can be a little bit unpredictable, and when they're in the pews with us on, on like Family Worship Sunday, it can be a little bit unpredictable. Um, sometimes parents are able to explain to their children why they need to sit still, why they need to be quiet. One mother told her little girl uh, the proper behavior uh, for a church service and she asked the girl if she understood why she needed to be quiet in church and the girl responded, uh-huh, because people are sleeping. <laughs> And then when parents are not with their children, which is often the case uh, with our kids uh, left stranded by themselves, uh, it gets even more unpredictable. There's the story of this little boy named Freddie, who uh, came to church and he was difficult to say the least. This was a rough kid. Uh, He disrupted the education and worship programs and experiences of the church. Jesus loved him for sure, but the church was not sure that they did. Um, Freddie was difficult and his grandmother would bring him to church every Sunday and would be able to have some margin of control over what Freddie was doing But, but after a while the grandmother got sick and was not able to come anymore and so Freddie's mom would continue to bring Freddie and drop him off and leave. And so Freddie was there with no supervision, and the church tried to do what they could to to take care of Freddie and, and tried to give him activity sheets and iPhones and whatever else there was available to, to keep Freddie occupied, but it was disruptive. This little guy ran wild. And finally, they appealed to the mother to, to do something about Freddie, and so she came one Sunday with Freddie and Freddie was good, of course, that one day that she was there, so she thought everything was taken care of and and never came back, but continued to drop Freddie off at church, and the church continued to find ways to help Freddie in church, to help this little boy who was struggling so much. There were lots of different ideas, but one idea, one suggestion that they refused to implement was to expel Freddie from church. Freddie was always welcome. And so it's hard to know what becomes of kids like Freddie, ones that churches pour their life into. But whoever Freddie is or whatever Freddie becomes, the church was the church for Freddie. And that was the important thing. Today we're going to take a look at two different stories of boys in church. And what those experiences were like in church. There's two parallel stories. One is in the Old Testament found in 1 Samuel chapter 2. And the other one is in Luke chapter 2. And we're going to take a look at these two stories side by side. Both of these boys are, are born through a special divine conception. Uh, both of these boys are dedicated to the service of God by a righteous mother. Both grow in divine and human favor, both grow to be men who who serve out faithfully their God-given mission. The first is the story of Samuel. His mother, Hannah, who is unable to have a child, promises God that if she were able to have a baby, then she would dedicate him to the service of the Lord. And God indeed did bless her with A baby. And so, after Samuel was born and he was potty trained and eating solid food, but still a very young boy, she takes him to the temple and leaves him there with the priest Eli. We're not sure of Samuel's exact age, but the story does suggest that he is very young. So, here is this young boy left alone in church, left under the care of Eli. And after leaving Samuel there at the tabernacle with Eli Hannah visits him year after year, and every year she brings a new little robe for him, this new garment for his sacred responsibilities, his sacred duty here in the tabernacle. And so let's read First Samuel chapter two, starting in verse 18. But Samuel was ministering before the Lord, a boy. Wearing a linen ephod. Each year, his mother made him a little robe and took it to him when she went up with her husband to offer the annual sacrifice. Think about this annual event that Hannah goes through, going back for this sacrifice, being reminded not just of the sacrifice that they're giving in that moment, but the sacrifice that they're reminded of year after year in the sacrifice of Samuel. Verse 20, Eli would bless Elkanah and his wife, saying, May the Lord give you children by this woman to take the place of the one she prayed for and gave to the Lord. Then they would go home. And the Lord was gracious to Hannah. She gave birth to three sons and two daughters. Meanwhile, the boy Samuel grew up in the presence of the Lord. And the boy Samuel continued, verse 26, And the boy Samuel continued to grow in stature and in favor with the Lord and with the people. And so we have this story of Samuel. It goes on to, to give these, these great examples of what it was like to, to be this boy. And of course, Samuel went on to, to play such a significant role in, in the anointing of kings for Israel. Samuel was certainly not a problem child. He was the opposite of Freddie. He was there ministering before the Lord. And this word ministering is not just doing menial services, menial tasks. This, this word ministering is significant. He, he has an important role to play in the life of the tabernacle. And based on what he's wearing, he has a pretty high status. He's, he's wearing what a priest would wear. And so even at a very young age, he has this elevated status, this elevated role. And in the concluding verse of 26, it it reports on Samuel's physical and his spiritual and his social maturing. We have our second story in Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2, verse 41. Every year, Jesus' parents went to Jerusalem for the festival of Passover. Passover. When he was 12 years old, they went up to the festival according to the custom. After the festival was over, while his parents were returning home, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem, but they were unaware of it. "'Thinking he was in their company, they traveled on for a day. "'Then they began looking for him among their relatives and friends. "'When they did not find him, they went back to Jerusalem to look for him. "'After three days, they found him in the temple courts, "'sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions.'" Then he went down to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them. But his mother treasured all these things in her heart, and Jesus grew in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man. And so this story about Jesus as as a boy is only included in the Gospel of Luke. And it's this fascinating story that gives us a glimpse into this childhood. Imagine being Joseph and, and Mary The experiences that you've had leading up to the birth of Jesus and now this growing up with Jesus, still not really clear on what it is that he's all about, still confused about who he is and and who this son of theirs is. And so Jesus speaks here his first words and he, he responds to his mother saying, didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? Imagine Joseph hearing that. As Jesus is referring to another father, you're not really my father. I have to be in my father's house. Another translation says, involved in in my father's business, involved in my father's affairs. And so there's this sense that that Jesus is, is saying that I have to be involved in the family business. I have to be involved in my father's business, my father's work. And Mary and Joseph have been told a lot about who Jesus is and what he'll become, but they still don't understand it. They still don't get it. They don't fully see what he is growing into. But this story, like the story in Samuel, concludes with Jesus' physical and spiritual and social maturing. And so we have these two cases, these these two boys in church, per se. They're growing physically. They're growing spiritually spiritually and even socially. Their reputation among other people is growing. And so Samuel learns to distinguish the voice of God, distinguish who God is and what God has to say. And and Jesus learns that there are greater claims on his life. There's a greater mission, a greater business to be a part of his father's affairs. And so both of these boys are, are increasing in wisdom and in favor with the Lord. And so we we stand at this last Sunday of the year reflecting back on the the new year's resolutions of 2018 maybe it was a list carried over from 2017 with things that are crossed out and edited and we look to our list for 2019 what do we revise what do we change what do we look for we look at these two boys who are growing in wisdom and favor to the Lord, and, and we stand here and ask Have we increased in wisdom this last year? Have we increased in favor with the Lord? Or maybe a better way to ask is How have we grown this past year? How have we grown spiritually and physically and even socially? How is our life? Or how, how, how have our lives changed over this last year? Or have they? If we were sitting a year ago asking the same question, question, has anything changed over this last year? And then as we look into this next year, how would we like to see ourselves growing? How would we like to see ourselves changing? How would we like to see our relationship with God improving? What are the spiritual things and moral, moral things that we want to see developed in this next year? Have we paused long enough to even reflect on that? To think about that. We look at the, the 12 disciples as, as this example of spiritual growth. That before they met Jesus, they were just simply part of the crowd. They were just in the crowd And here Jesus comes along, and they encounter Jesus in this special and unique way, and and he calls them to follow him. And oddly enough, they do, they respond with obedience, this act of faith, and they go with Jesus. They encounter Jesus, and they respond to Jesus, and they follow Jesus. They didn't have it all figured out. They didn't have all the solutions in place, all the answers in place. They simply answered Jesus's call to follow. And so they moved out in obedience and followed. They weren't always comfortable with this decision. They didn't understand the implications of obedience. They didn't understand what it really meant, but they went to follow anyway. They didn't know how hard it would be or the challenges that would come up against them. And they totally misunderstood Jesus' mission, but they answered the call to follow anyway. Sometimes they were clueless, and sometimes they were just flat-out defiant. And so when Jesus began to to suggest that he was going to die on a cross... They totally didn't understand that. They didn't comprehend what Jesus was about. Their thinking of what a Messiah was didn't match someone dying. But they continued to grow as disciples. And so, even with their rough edges, even with their quirks, even with their misunderstanding, even with their confusion, Jesus was still able to use them. And they were used in powerful ways during Jesus' ministry. They went out on healing and preaching missions, and they were actually able to do it. And they came back excited and charged up and amazed at what had happened. They had periods of successes, but they also had great failures as well. We think of Peter's denial that stands out as an example. They had responded to Jesus' call. They had begun traveling down this spiritual road, but there were bumps along the way but they continued on anyway. And fortunately, God didn't give up on them. We see in in the story of Acts, as we've been going through Acts this year, we see that after Jesus' ascension, they they gather together up in this room, being obedient to, to Jesus' instructions to wait. And as they're waiting on the day of Pentecost, the Spirit descends upon them in this mighty way. And the rest of Acts is, is this story about how the disciples faithfully and obediently live out the mission of God. We see the disciples in this gradual growth with ups and downs, successes and failures, and that's encouraging to us. They didn't start off having it all perfect. They didn't start off having it all figured out. And so when there are bumps along our own journey of faith, We can look at these examples as encouragements. And so we reflect back on this year, asking where are you at on your journey? Where are you at? What potholes have you tripped over? What things have you stumbled over? And how have you picked yourself up to continue on the journey Are we like the disciples before meeting Jesus who are just simply part of the crowd, not really following, not really responding, just in the crowd? Or are we like the disciples after encountering Jesus who who have responded and said, we will follow, but are still not really sure what that means? Or are we like the disciples after Pentecost where we have confidence in God despite the ups and downs of our lives? knowing that the Spirit is at work, knowing that we are a part of a greater mission. We can grow in our faith. We can can grow beyond the beginning stages of, of belief into an adult faith that is more than adequate for the bumps, for the potholes on this road of life. And so we have these two boys in church. We have Samuel and we have Jesus they're on their journey on their way growing growing in their faith growing in the favor of God growing in wisdom are we growing are we progressing on this path of of listening to god are we progressing on this path of of discerning the voice of god are we progressing on this path of of recognizing the mission that god is calling us into and so this last sunday of the year we ask how have we grown in this past year and as we look to this next year what areas of spiritual development do we want to see what kind of growth do we want to see what kind of development do we want to see? More than figuring out to do with what the with that treadmill that is covered in laundry, more than trying to figure out what to do with our road rage, really what do we want to do in our spiritual lives and our relationship with God? How do we need to be growing this year? As a church, this next year is going to be full of changes. It's going to be full of challenges. It's going to be full of bumps in the road. As we, as we move towards selling this building and, and being in this interim time and, and moving into a new building and launching new worship gatherings and, and trying to be in the neighborhood and, and missional in our community, these are, these are going to be times that stretch us. And so what goals do we have for prayer? What goals do we have for, for relating to our neighbors What goals do we have for for inviting friends that need to experience this kind of community? That need to experience this kind of life with Jesus? It's going to be a challenging year for us. It's going to be an exciting year. It's going to be a blessed year. And this year is going to fly by faster than we want it to. And so let's be so intentional with our relationship with God and our relationship with others in this coming year. Let's be standing together. We want to spend some time in prayer as we do every Sunday. want to invite you to to come down and pray with one of our shepherds or or pray with a small group leader or or one of our prayer ministry team. Uh, This is a chance to, to move around the room and pray encourage one another, lift one another up. As we wrap up this year and move on into this next year, this last year has been full of victories and disappointments. This last year has been full of of grief and celebration. The ups and downs of this last year. And so this is a time to encourage one another through prayer. Let's pray together. God, we thank you for the gift of your Son, We thank you for the life that we have in this this new community that we have. We thank you for the blessing of the church, the gift of the church, the people that come together to worship you, to praise you, to celebrate you. And so, God, will you speak to us and give us ears to hear, help us to be obedient to what you're saying to us. That help us to take steps of progress in our relationship with you this next year. It's in Jesus' name we pray.